This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to the must-listen-to Saturday morning sports talk show in the state. And I'd say the entire country, the... Under the Dome with the famous CD. Oh, hey, that's me, and you're listening live, as always, right here on 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com, and even if you're streaming on that free mobile app presented by Visit Avery Island, and boy, oh boy, have we got a show for you planned today. I'll give you an idea of what kind of guests we got on, but it's a great day, because after all, you get the LSU Tigers. They got the win last night over Stony Brook in, in convincing fashion. I'm going to talk about that. We've got a lot of things to kind of get to on today's show. It's a great one today. We're live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, located conveniently in Upper Lafayette. I say Carriker, Louisiana. You say tomato. I say tomato. And you can call us up on the Arco Equipment Hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the action, that's how you hit us up on the Ardco Equipment Hotline. And boy, oh boy, have we got a great show for you today. I'll give you the deets in just a little bit. But I want to get to this poll question real quick before I give you an idea of what's causing all this and what's on tap for the weekend ahead. Because trust me, we got a pretty cool poll question considering the fact that Eddie Furness's record could be going down later tonight when Antoine Duplan is takes the dish, he's definitely going to be looking to break Eddie Furness's all-time hits record. And we'll talk with him, uh, one of our guys about the NCAA baseball tournament at around 1030. I'll give you the deets on the guests in just a little bit. But again, the poll question is, who is the best hitter in the history of LSU? And I put four names out there. Of course, I'm going to go more modern era with two of them. And then go back in the archives with the other two. I think you'll love both of them, and I think the number one has to be Antoine Duplantis. He's definitely in that consideration after what he's done this year, and I'd say what he did last night tying the record, and then, of course, the current record holder, Eddie Furness, Alex Bregman, again, more modern, and then I kind of got to go Todd Walker here. Back in the day, I want to pull up a lot of stats to try and figure out who really deserves to be that other representative? Because I want to be able to put something in there that's more millennial, but I feel like Alex Bregman definitely has the stats to show that he can definitely rake, especially back in his college days. He's showing that a lot in the pro ranks. But again, best LSU hitter in LSU history. Give me your takes over on the Twitter machine. Hell, if you have another one, you can reply into the thread as well. That's how you can be super interactive with us. Over on Twitter at 1037 Game and also the Arco Equipment Hotline 337 706 0111. Like I said, it's time to kind of get you ready, get you prepped up 
for the weekend ahead and give you an idea of what's on tap. Oh, yes, it's time to find out what's on tap, and then we'll find out quite literally what that is a little bit later on in this segment. But, of course, we got to start off with the road to Omaha. It started yesterday, and my goodness, the Baton Rouge Regional definitely wound up going a little bit different than most of us expected. Heading into it, we all talked about Arizona State, their high-powered offense. That high-powered offense didn't really show up all that much against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles they look solid Friday afternoon. The number two guy, Gabe Shepherd, Gabe, Gabe Shepherd, Shepherd, excuse me, there we go. Shepherd, I don't know why I was saying that. Silencing the Sun Devils' bats, limiting them to three runs. You heard me right, limiting them to only three runs. An impressive performance from their number two guy. I'll get to that in just a little bit about that. But of course, Southern Miss's offense wasn't that bad either, decimating the Opposition with a 12-run fifth inning. That's taking the sails out of you and then some. We talk a lot about the three-run inning. I know Robert Show harps on it to no end. Trust me, a 12-run inning will wind up just killing all momentum, and it's the equivalent of a live execution out of the Arizona State Sun Devils. They're going to have to be able to really show out to get things done, so hopefully... They're bouncing back and getting it done the right way as they get closer and closer to elimination. On the brink of it right now, they'll be playing Stony Brook later today to determine who's going to be heading back home and watch the rest of the tournament from the convenience of their clubhouse. Meanwhile, you look at LSU. We were talking about Stony Brook. LSU just beat the tar out of them. Me and Ben talked about if Landon Marceau would go six innings or not as part of yesterday's sink or swim. Trust me, I think we all should have taken the under, but I don't think anybody expected to see what happened last night on the field with this offense coming alive and coming unglued. It was under short of outstanding. Obviously, Antoine Duplantis, Zach Watson, Brad Bruce arguing his first career home run after returning from injury. Pulmonary knew what he was doing, putting him back in that lineup. It's huge for him. And then Marceau being limited, that actually probably helps out a whole hell of a lot more having him limited in this if you want to get into the Super Regional because you know you're going to be facing off possibly against a really good Georgia team. A Georgia team that has one of, if not the best, like weekend rotation imaginable. And again, like whenever you get to Super Regional play, it's a best of three. You've got to prepare for that situation and you can very well have uh, Landon Marceau, Cole Henry in games one and two. If you don't bring out your aces, don't break out your big dogs in this one, you're going to be having a hard time blues, and I feel like that's what you got to wind up looking at if you're the LSU Tigers. But they looked really good last night. Hopefully they can keep it going against Southern Miss, but they're going to have an uphill climb. Again, I talked about it on Monday. This regional, it is a bumpy, bumpy ride. And a big reason why is Southern Miss, they can definitely be a team that catches you off guard. They beat Ole Miss towards the end of the regular season. Ole Miss almost made it back-to-back SEC titles. If not for the tremendous choke choke job they put together last weekend. I got to say, looking forward to seeing what's going to happen tonight. Cole Henry, he'll get the start. Walker Powell likely going to be on the mound. He's the one who propelled the Golden Eagles to a Conference USA Championship. And I'm not going to get into all the details about the notable regionals, especially around the SEC, local teams involving Southern Jags and McNeese State Cowboys, at least in this segment. Keep it locked. The end of the 10 o'clock hour, I will get into a lot more detail 
about what's been going on with a lot of these programs in the in the college world in the NCAA tournament as we begin the road to Omaha. And of course, another big thing on tap is towards the end of this weekend, with without a doubt the coolest thing going on: NBA Finals Game Two on Sunday. The Raptors they shocked the system in Game One. They beat the system in Game One. KD ruled out for Game Two. Raptors they gonna be favored heading into tomorrow's game. Last I haven't checked like a a spread latest, but I believe it's a pretty decent gap between themselves and the Golden State Warriors in the spreads. If you're into that kind of thing, I don't think Louisiana is because while they didn't allow that to be a thing, they turned it down in the house, which is just idiotic. I'm sorry, but you got to realize this is going to make a lot more money than you can think of right now. I think that's just, uh, it's ridiculous to think that they're passing up an opportunity to get that kind of money. That's a different conversation for a different day. Moving back to the NBA Finals, Golden State Warriors, they wound up tripping up a lot. KD out for game one, also game two, likely could wind up being out for game three. We'll see on that. Because, of course, that's going to be when the series travels back to Oaktown, goes back to the Bay Area for one final run in Oracle Arena. Can the Warriors kind of even up the series heading into or heading into Oaktown? I would love to see it, but I think the biggest thing needs to happen is Boogie Cousins needs to have a bigger role on this team because I feel like he, sure, he had his first game back after injured quad. You weren't going to wind up using him the way you had been using him in the past, but I would have liked to see you get things done from a number of different aspects with Boogie Cousins. Because he can definitely be a monster on the court, and he definitely didn't show up a whole lot in terms of the stat sheet. In my mind, he was definitely a guy off the pine, not a whole lot to kind of take away from it. But the guy I'm most pleased about, and something I talked about yesterday with Jordy, was Pascal Siakam. I am going to draw the comparison to him right now, and I, I challenge you, the Arco Equipment Hotline wide open to talk about anything. I am comparing Pascal Siakam in 2019 to Kawhi Leonard five years ago. He was a breakout star in that exact moment. He was the guy that I wanted to see perform at a very high level, and he did that. He stepped his game up, and he looked really good in that in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's definitely started to become that star player, and we saw the game in one NBA Finals. He's an impact player. He's a guy that's going to get things done for for this team, a lot like Kawhi Leonard did for the San Antonio Spurs when he was more of the sixth man back when they won the title in 2014 during LeBron's last day in the 305. And then also, I'm just going to say, it, Drake, stop being Drake. Just just let us enjoy the NBA Finals, not focus on your antics off the court. Let's focus on the actual play on the court, okay? You know, it was great to see with the Del Curry jersey, but just... Can you just not be the Spike Lee, the Jack Nicholson type guy? I feel like you're blending those two together and becoming a, a giant giant clown. Let me put it that way. That's my clown of the day for you. Of course, other stuff going on around the world of sports. Stanley Cup Game 3 tonight. And, of course, I love hockey and I love the Boston Bruins. So why not kind of talk about this series tied 1-1. The St. Louis Blues surprised us with the win. And then moving it over to the Enterprise Center for Game 3 it's the first time it's ever been an Enterprise Center, so you know that place is going to be mad lit. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen between the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. Game number three tonight. i got to get a little bit more confidence towards Charlie McAvoy and the Bruins. 
but I lost a little bit of confidence in them in the way game two went. And then finally, the biggest thing in the world, and of course, that definitely winds up bringing up the fact that this segment's called What's on Tap. And I have to say, what's on tap? It is beer inside SEC stadiums. The biggest news. I'm not going to give you the whole spiel. How about the press release? I'm not going to give you the whole thing because I don't have enough time to get to it all. But a quick summary of what this means for the SEC, where it just means more, and now it means more beer. Obviously, this means there will be specific areas where you can buy the beer or whatever you like from then from them, and then you can wind up taking it back to your seat, unlike what we saw last season in LSU with the shoot. I'm sure the shoot will still be in existence, be a little bit more of a higher up aspect of things. I don't know exactly, but I know that's going to be something they're going to work on. And what they did last year was within the guidelines of it. Now, now it's not necessary going forward, probably more of a VIP experience. That's the big thing for me. Obviously, you can't tonight, if you're going to be heading to Alec Box Stadium, you can't just go and ask the concession stand for a cold brew at Alec Box Stadium. Because you're going to have to wait a little while to the start of football season to get a brewski to open up the 2019 season. And while LSU looks to know their market and got out in front of this, Auburn, they're going to actually abstain, apparently, when it comes to alcohol sales from 2019-2020. Now, why are they doing this? It might just be largely because of the fact they don't have everything set up in place at this time. And, of course, I'll try my hardest to get an answer from one of our guests later on in the program. And we got three tremendous guests coming up for you today. 1030, Aaron Fit D1 Baseball. We're going to talk about the NCAA Baseball Tournament, what's happened so far, and a whole lot more. Trust me, definitely an interesting first day. A lot of blowouts. I'll ask him about that. And I think we have a lot of things to get to with him. Eric Heisman, Locked On Astros podcast. You know we love the Locked On Network. We have Jake Madison, Locked On Pels, Locked On Saints podcast, Ross Jackson, our guy. So Eric Heisman, we try to bring him in to the to the family, if you will, and see how he winds up doing. Hopefully, he's a good guy, and we're going to have him on to talk a little bit about the Houston Astros, the air injuries, how they're overcoming them, and a whole lot more. 11.30, I think this is the piece du jour. This is why... You should listen in for the entire show. Is that at 11.30, we're going to have Ross Dellinger, SportsIllustrated.com, to talk about the spring meetings in Destin involving the SEC, the beer, and what was going on with him and those shades he wore during an interview with Paul Feinbaum. Hey, Paul, earlier in the week. Oh, trust me, this is just the beginning of the show. And, man, we kicked off the show really well. But in the next segment, on the first of the month, no less... We're going to get you to some news about some kickoffs. Some notable stuff to talk about, of course, in this segment. But, of course, if you want to change up the conversation, the Arco Equipment Hotline wide open. 337-706-0111. Let me talk to you. You can talk to me right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 Game and 1037Game.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with C. That's me right here on Acadiana's number one sports station. Talk to you in a bit. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 1037 The Game.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Oh, hey, that's me right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. Like I said, if you want to change up the conversation, the Arco Equipment Hotline, it is wide open at 337-706-0111. is how you get into the line. And I'm just, honestly, just enjoying what's going on right now on the Twitter machine Involving our poll question, best hitter in LSU history. This one's blowing up quick, and it is pretty much a dead heat. Todd Walker kind of taking an early lead off of first base, 37%. Eddie Furness, 26 Alex Bregman, 21%. Duplantis, dead last at 16%. About to become the, the hit king for LSU Tiger baseball. He's, in, he's dead last. A little bit strange, but I'm sure that could wind up changing over the course of the next two hours. I'll give you my thoughts on that at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. And I've got a lot more on tap for you today besides a lot of the poll question updates. But, of course, I've got a little bit of time left in this segment. And I talked about kicking off the show in a really great way. Now I'm going to turn things over to actual kickoffs. Kickoff times, someone, have been announced. One of them has been hard time official for 11 a.m., the other one, we don't know yet. It just looks like it's not going to be a prime time game, at least as of right now. I'll get you to that one in just a little bit. I think you know exactly which ones I'm talking about. But, of course, we'll talk about the kickoffs of the regular season for the Cajuns at 11 a.m. And I'm a fan of it for one reason and one reason only. Because of the fact that there's tons of other stuff going on that weekend to talk about. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be going on. It's the opening weekend of college football 11 a.m., you got the Raging Cajuns. Later on in the day, you got, you got LSU Georgia Southern. Hypothetically, I'm sure this would be very, very tough and you'd probably be completely exhausted. But hypothetically, you know, you've got 11 a.m. The game wrap, the game's probably going to wrap up around like 2, 3 o'clock at the absolute latest. And I'm, I'm sure you'd wind up running into a lot of traffic, but I think it could be very much feasible be able to pull off a Cajuns LSU double dip. And the best part of it is it's not inside Cajun field like it was a couple years ago with the Cajuns Boise State game where, one, the Cajuns got their behinds handed to them, and, two, it was hot as hell that day. I think this is a great idea. I love the I love seeing this be an 11 o'clock kickoff because you can kind of watch all the other football games that are be going on that day, be it at a bar, be it, Wherever you can go, you can go to New Orleans and enjoy the hell out of like the opening day of college football season and Labor Day weekend. You've got all kinds of great stuff to talk about when it comes to college football week one. Having this be 11 a.m., I'm okay with it. Definitely puts me in a precarious position for for that date, but you know it is what it is. We'll get to that. We'll get to that one one day in the not too distant future. But of course. We also got to talk about the LSU Alabama game. It won't be prime time, and I like what my cohort, my partner in crime, my main man Ben Love, he talked about it a lot the other day. You know, him not wanting to see this continue to be that spectacle. It's not that over the top prime time spectacle, at least for right now. And I think that's a great idea. You know why? Because this tells me that they want to be able to have the LSU Alabama game be a midday game this year because after last year it 
did not look good. The prom- the prospects of a future matchup don't look good. Again, the last time LSU beat Bama was almost eight years ago. And I'm not casting any aspersions towards LSU. I'm just stating facts. You know, you can only see somebody get their tail whipped so many times and get whipped pretty resoundingly the last couple times. So I think CBS is hedging their bets. And they're very, very much like a lot of the fans of the team saying that they're not necessarily all in on this offense being entirely different and entirely brand new. So they're going to kind of hold back on saying what they want to say about LSU-Bama until probably closer to the end of the regular season. They'll wait till see what happens with Notre Dame. They'll wait to see what happens with all these other teams that they're going to wind up seeing and being marquee matchups. And I'm putting those in parentheses, marquee matchups. You could probably flex some stuff around to have this be a game a lot like what you did in 2011. But again, the key word there is flex only if I feel like LSU and Alabama are undefeated. That's the only way this is going to happen, especially if Alabama's undefeated and LSU's undefeated. I feel like if LSU's whatever and one at a time and Alabama's unbeaten, they're not gonna they're still not gonna do it because guess what? You know, we've seen what happens with those teams that are very up and down. They've got a lot of hurdles to cross whenever you look at LSU. They've got that big game against Texas to open up the season. Is Texas back? This is gonna be the ultimate test to determine if the Longhorns are officially back and being relevant. So I think week two is going to be something to see, and that could wind up telling you what's going to happen come the first week of November. If this is going to be a 2.30 game, and we want to go an extra half hour here on Under the Dome, or it's a game where everybody is watching it because it's going to tell you everything you need to know about the way the college football playoff is going to go. Spoilers, Alabama is probably going to be in it, no matter what, because we know that everybody loves to hate on the Nick Tater. And trust me, a lot of that is justified, and I think this could be another reason why everybody doesn't like the man. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. Come back. we got a whole lot more show to get you. Aaron Fit D1 Baseball. We'll talk some talk about the world of college baseball, the tournament so far, big surprises, upsets, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game. You're listening to the number one sports talk show on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon. Very specific, but very true. Under the Dome with CD. Oh, hey, that's me. Tonight in St. Louis, where the fans... The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You Manchester United supporters, sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadia in a sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom And my goodness, what a great first day 
of the college baseball tournament. And now we got to go over to the Arco Equipment Hotline to talk to our guy, Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. A great first night of college baseball matchups. Of course, we're going to start off looking at the Baton Rouge Regional. Were you surprised to see Arizona State lose the way that they did to the Southern Miss Golden Eagles? Yeah, I mean, I think you're always a little bit surprised to see a team get shellacked that badly um, when you know when they're a two seed in particular. Now, I thought Southern Miss entered this week playing well um, and with a lot of momentum, and, and I thought they had a chance to make some noise. But uh, you know, they were facing Alec Marsh, who's Arizona State's really best and, and only reliable pitcher, um, and, and they still put up all those runs. I mean, that that, that twelve run inning, of course, was the difference. But yeah. uh, I think Southern Miss has a little bit of that mojo going on right now, and. I think Arizona State's in trouble because they just don't really have uh, a lot of arms behind Alec Marsh. And, you know, I think they had to win that game with him on the mound. And we're talking about Southern Miss. I mean, they definitely got probably one of the better arms still available. Walker Powell likely could probably give the start when they take on LSU in the winner's bracket. What are the chances you wind up seeing Southern Miss kind of pull a fast one against an LSU team that is shown to be very hit or miss against some of these lesser opponents? Yeah, you could see it. I mean, like I said, I feel like Southern Miss, the way they're playing right now, it's a completely different team than it was even a month ago. Um, you know, it's sometimes all it takes is that one week, that one run through the conference tournament to give you that mojo. But, you know, how often have we seen that from LSU? I mean, they go to Hoover, uh, they win some games, and then they just carry it over into the uh, into the, uh, into the regional. Um, that's just kind of par for the course for LSU. I mean, it's hard Oh, sorry, Aaron. You kind of cut out there for a second. What was that last part? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm driving to the ballpark. Yeah. It's uh, it's not great reception out here. Where are you going to be heading to, anyways? For the which region you're at? Well, I, I was going to uh, to Greenville to see East Carolina, um, and and uh, but their whole schedule got messed up today, so I'm just heading back to Chapel Hill. Oh, nice, the Chapel Hill Regional. What Can you give us a lowdown on that? Because I think, obviously, a lot of us here in the Acadiana area, we've been paying a lot more attention to the Baton Rouge Regional, a lot of what's going on around the SEC. But with the Chapel Hill Regional, how has that gone so far? North Carolina and UNC Wilmington was, was very entertaining and uh, had kind of a, a crazy finish down there with uh, – um, you know, back and forth, and there was a game-tying home run in the ninth for, for UNC, and then uh, they wound up winning it with a, with a botched suicide squeeze that turned into a botched rundown. So, uh, you know, one mistake kind of bested the other mistake. Talking right now with Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball, and we were talking about how you had the Southern Miss-Arizona State game be a complete shellacking. You look at the rest of the regionals, you saw a lot of blowouts throughout do you think that's definitely a big problem you're seeing a, there's more tears now to these things to these regionals or is this just kind of par for the course in your mind yeah i mean i don't know that i would look for a broader trend i mean you know i think the three seeds yesterday went 12 and three against the two seeds so it's hard to say that there's some big gap between you know anybody because it, it kind of clearly shows you that uh uh, these teams were all pretty evenly matched, and uh, it's just a matter of who's hot on the right day. You know, I, I try not to read too much into into one day ever. Um, I mean, there's, we have a whole season of, of you know, a body of work to, to go off of, and I, I just think it's baseball. Anything can happen on one day. 
Once again, talking with Aaron Fit right now of D1 Baseball. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Fit. Simple as that. And of course, I think one of the things everybody's talking about now, especially in the Acadian area, is we like to look ahead. And why not look ahead to the Super Regionals? And we're seeing a lot of same conference Super Regionals where we're going to see a Big 12 team play a Big 12 team. We're seeing two Super Regionals where we're seeing SEC teams, LSU Georgia being a prime example of that. Of course, that's if everything holds chalk. But is that a, why does this continue to be an issue where we see same conference potential Super Regionals? Well, this is only the, the second year that we've had this, this issue because um, for years and years the committee resisted seeding the top 16 teams. They, they only seeded the top eight, and then they, they, uh, they paired them up based really on geography. Uh, and the reason they did that was because they wanted to avoid these intra-conference super regional matchups. But, um, you know, everyone wanted them to seed the top 16 for the sake of fairness, and so they did that. And But when you do that, you're going to have situations like this where if you're doing your job, and you're properly seeding the teams by merit, sometimes it's just the way the cookie crumbles. A bunch of teams in the same conferences are going to wind up facing off of each other. And I think this year it just happened to be particularly extreme, just the way it fell, but it wasn't intended to be that way. It was just a luck of the draw, and, and that's something we're going to have to deal with if we, if we want the seeds to be based on merit. Talk right now with Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball, and I have to say, one of the big things that happened late last night, in case everybody was sleeping, is Oregon State, the defending national champs, had a long night to open up the Corvallis Regional, and they wound up losing to Cincinnati in a game that was very much back and forth, but it felt like at one point Cincinnati was dominating. Could we see the Beavers get bounced that early? Yeah, I think we could. I mean, I, I thought they were vulnerable um, heading into this weekend. I actually picked Michigan to win that regional, the three seed, um, because I just, you know, Oregon State didn't play very well in the last month. Uh, I thought actually that they probably overachieved and played over their heads a little bit in the first half of the season um, because, you know, they're, they're not a great offensive club. I mean, aside from Adley Rutschman, who's, who's the best player in the country, I mean, to the point that he got potentially walked with the bases loaded last night. That's how good this guy is. Uh, but aside from him, he doesn't really have any support, you know, and the fact that, uh, that they walked him with the bases loaded shows you, hey, I think we're better off taking our chances with the rest of these guys. Now, that, that particular strategy didn't work out last night, but um, they still, you know, Cincinnati still won the game. And I, I just think, you know, the Beavers are vulnerable. Their, their pitching hasn't been as dominant as it was early. Um, they haven't been as healthy. And, you know, we'll see. But I, I think Michigan is the team here that's really talented, um, probably the most talented of those four teams, and that includes Oregon State. Um, and, and I think Cincinnati's got that uh, got that impactor right now. It's a team that really came on strong down the stretch. So keep an eye on the Bearcats. I like that a lot. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the tournament. But, of course, i got to ask you, who's your dark horse to win the whole thing as of right now based on what you've seen and what kind of you thought about heading into this tournament? So how deep of a dark horse are we looking for here? It could be however you want to do it, man, however you want to do it. This is this is your your take. Uh, well, because, yeah, I think everyone's talking about Vanderbilt and UCLA as, as the favorites, and I think they should be. I think yep. those are the – those have been the two best teams, and they're both really, really good. So if you're looking for somebody who's just not UCLA or Vanderbilt, I mean, I'd pick Mississippi State to win it all um, just because I think, I think they're right there with those other two teams from a, from a balance standpoint uh, and an experience standpoint. But the thing that sets them apart for me is the Omaha experience. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys who were there last year, made a deep run, 
bunch of guys who've been to multiple super regionals. Um, so, you know, I don't know how many people are talking about Mississippi State heading into this thing. They're the number six national seed. Uh, but for me, they were in the same tier with Vandy and UCLA for most of the year as kind of the leading contenders. That was my top three all year long. And so uh, I, think, I think Mississippi State, could you know, this could be their year. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on, my man. Enjoy the Chapel Hill Regional, and I'll talk to you down the road. All right, you got it. All right, that was Aaron Fit D1 Baseball. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Fit. That's A-A-Ron Fit. For those who might just put one A, I'm telling you, you put two A's. That's how you can kind of follow him. Hell, follow the rest of the D1 Baseball staff if you haven't already, because trust me, if you love college baseball, these are the guys that you need to follow. They put it together unlike anybody else. Their scoreboard is phenomenal. Their live scoreboard is up to about the minute, and it is outstanding just to see what's going on involving the world of sports with those guys out there. They do a great job. You need to check them out. If you, if you don't already kind of subscribe to their newsletters or what have you, because trust me, these guys put out a ton of premium content, especially Aaron Fick, Kendall Rogers, all these guys definitely deserve a lot of love. So why not do that? And hey, I got a few minutes left. Our co-equipment hotline, wide open, 337-706-0111. Went over a lot of stuff that happened with the regionals opening night, which was a little bit of better reception, but you know it is what it is sometimes in North Carolina and also the fact that definitely you had a lot of weather kind of put a wrench in things in Greenville. Like you said, that definitely was an interesting regional to say the least. But again, it's weird. You know, we talk about it how last year LSU was in that Corvallis regional and we're against the eventual national champions. And I'm sure a lot of people had a lot of a lot of opinions about that team, a lot of pointed opinions. A lot of them I think they definitely were justified thoughts. But again, it's a just an interesting thing. I have I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen with that regional because of the way Oregon State lost last night. It was very much a struggle for for them to win. They want to rallying back and then Cincinnati just said, you know, we're going to close the door on you. The Bearcats looked really good. I like the fact that Aaron Fitz talked about Michigan being a favorite to win that regional in his mind. It's weird because it felt like, you know, maybe it's the fact you lost a lot of those arms that you had last year. The Corvallis regional was something everybody and their mama was talking about because it was just you knew that team was really, really good. And if not for a foul ball, they not for a drop foul ball, they probably would have wound up losing the ball game but again just it's definitely going to be an interesting regional to say the least over there baton rouge feels like things have turned a little bit differently you could see southern miss trip them up again that's just my opinion and of course the arco equipment hotline it is open 337-706-0111 i'm gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break get out of this segment hopefully you're enjoying it and you're looking forward so what i got coming up next because trust me we're going to do what we do every single Saturday. That's Round the Bases, give you an idea of what's going on around the world of baseball, college, pro, high school, even though it's over. We'd probably want to get into it if we had the chance. And I'll break it all down for you next, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Oh, hey, that's me. The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, 
your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana's Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios out here in Upper Lafayette. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. It's the first of the month, and I'd say the Arco Equipment Highlight, it is wide open. 337-706-0111. And boy, oh boy, have we got a lot to break down today. And I think the biggest thing to break down today is what's causing all this in the world of college baseball. And my goodness, just a wild, wild day yesterday with the regionals going on. Break down what happened a lot of those, because of course me and our guy Aaron Fitt talks about a few of them, but we're going to break down every one of those regionals in just a little bit. But first, I think we got to talk about the LSU Tigers, because we have more news and notes about them than you can handle. Because trust me, there's a lot of things that came out of that yesterday that I think were interesting to talk about. Of course, the biggest one, Anthony DePlanis, one hit away from breaking Eddie Furness's record. It's huge. And, of course, the poll question still up right now on the Twitter machine. Who is the best hitter in LSU history? You can follow us on Twitter at 1037thegame. At 1037thegame, excuse me. At Clint Doming on Twitter. You can follow me over there if you want to get the latest and greatest of what's going on with the show and a whole lot of other things that maybe, just maybe, you'll enjoy. And then we also have... Jaden Hill, he's officially done for the year, had surgery unrelated to elbow issues. And Hill responded on Twitter, I'd say the right way, NBC, nothing but class. He had surgery unrelated to elbow issues, and he said that this setback will not discourage me or define who I am. I'll be back next year physically and mentally stronger than ever. And he talked about hashtag road to continues with the, uh, the the quiet sign emoji. Just a, just a really great way to say it. And, of course, I think one of the big things that I talked about at the top of the show was the fact you had Brad Broussard get his first career home run in his first game back after returning from injury. And, my goodness, I think Chris Blair did a great job. He always does a great job with the call, but it's moments like this that are perfect. Here's the 2-2 off speed. Broussard knocks one high and deep to left field. Rest still tracking back to the wall. How about a shorter bat and a home run? The three-run variety. First homer of the year for Brad Broussard. And the Tigers really open it up here at the box. Make it 14-1. Definitely a phenomenal performance from Brad Broussard to start off the Baton Rouge Regional as the, as the LSU Tigers dominated on their way to a 17-3 win over Stony Brook. They'll be taking on Southern Miss later on today. And, of course, I'm thinking a lot of other things going on around the world of the College World Series. i got to start off talking about Florida State dominating Florida Atlantic in the Athens Regional 13-7. Georgia, they'll be taking on the Seminoles after they destroyed Mercer 13-7. Made that one look easy. 13-3, excuse me. Again, a lot of one-sided matchups in that regional. You have the losers bracket at one at twelve o'clock today between Florida Atlantic and Mercer. Obviously, loser goes home. Looking at the Atlanta regional, definitely chalk right there. 
Coastal Carolina, who wound up putting up 23 runs in the Sun Belt Championship game, they only managed to put up seven in a 16 to seven loss to the Auburn Tigers. The Atlanta Regional got started off on the right foot there, a 13 to two blowout with Georgia Tech taking down Florida A and M. And then here's where things kind of got interesting. Of course, you got Southern Miss upsetting Arizona State, tipping over the apple cart the first three to beat a two, at least according to what I'm looking at right now, which is kind of just an overall scoreboard looking at each and every regional. You'll have Arizona State take on Stony Brook in the LSU series. We talked about that a lot in the opening segment. UNC Wilmington, we're talking the Chapel Hill Regional. North Carolina got the win over UNC Wilmington, I think many fans of the LSU Tigers remember that team from a few years ago and how much rain there was in that series. And then, of course, you've got Liberty, Tennessee. Liberty pulls off the upset, beats Tennessee the one seed. I think that one was a real shock to the system, but Tennessee not necessarily a, excuse me, what am I saying, number one seed. This was another two, three seed, and the three seed upsets the two. They tip over the apple cart once again. The Corvallis Regional is where things got interesting. Again, Cincinnati beats Oregon State 7-6, to an absolute just slugfest, back and forth, back and forth in the late innings. Looked like Cincinnati should have taken control of that game early on. Michigan beats Creighton 6 to nothing. I'd say definitely another surprise there. Look at it, Fayetteville, I think, has expected. You saw Arkansas beat Central Connecticut. The Cal Bears lose in just dominating fashion to TCU 13-2. That one I'm not necessarily as surprised about TCU winning. It was the way they dominated their opponent. I think I was more surprised about that. Greenville, South Carolina regional things got thrown into the blender to where they haven't even started the regional technically because you got Campbell. NC State will get started around another like five minutes or so. And then you've got the Quinnipiac in East Carolina game around four o'clock, and then they've got to kind of make all that up. This is why baseball should be played in domes. Just the same. The Los Angeles Regional, Loyola Marymount beats Baylor. UCLA beats Omaha. That's a, that was a pretty no, no, no surprise there, at least from the one seed matchup. Louisville beats Illinois. Chicago surprised they were in there. Then you get Indiana losing to Illinois State. Another kind of upsetting of the apple cart. The Lubbock Regional, Dallas Baptist and Texas Tech are going to meet up after putting up eleven runs yesterday against their respective opponents. Surprise, Florida taking the L here to start off their run in the NCAA tournament. In couch-burning country, West Virginia gets the win over Fordham, and they'll be taking on Duke, who was another team that upset the apple cart and took down Texas A&M with their ace there, John Doxakis. That guy was actually really good against LSU a few weeks ago. I think that's going to be a fun matchup between Duke and West Virginia, an ACC Big 12 game, always fun. McNeese State, more of a local aspect, lost to Indiana State last night, 6-5. to Vandy, Beats Ohio State 8-2. to Ole Miss, they dominate Jacksonville State. Clemson dominates Illinois. The Stanford Regional. Stanford gets the win. And then Fresno State also advances, beating UC Santa Barbara. Stark Vegas, the Southern Jags, they made it look interesting early, but lost 11-6. to Central Michigan beats Miami 6-5. to And then last but not least, has to be the Stillwater Regional. You have Nebraska beating Connecticut 8-5. to and then Oklahoma State gets the win two to nothing. Definitely going to be a fun day two of action involving the NCAA college baseball tournament. 
Hour number one in the books. It is history. We can't take anything back from it, but trust me, hour number two, we're going to start things off in a very, very different direction. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome, everyone, to the Must Listen To Sports Talk Show in Acadiana from 10 a.m. to noon on a Saturday morning. Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette. Some say it might be Caracurro, Louisiana. So hopefully you have a great Saturday morning so far. And trust me, we are getting this thing kick-started off right. Hour number two. And we got a second hour planned for you and yours. We got Eric Heisman talking Houston Astros in about another I'll say 12 minutes or so, give or take, of you. We'll talk some Houston Astros with him, the injuries they've been dealing with, overcoming it all. We'll talk with him about that a whole lot more. 11.30, I think everybody's going to look forward to this. Ross Dellinger talking SEC spring meetings. I am looking forward to this. You just got to listen in right here on 103.7 The Game for the next hour or so, give or take a few minutes. Hopefully you're enjoying it. The Arco Equipment Hotline, open 337-706-0111. I just remembered, I was kind of rolling around the bases. I got cut off after that. I want to only making it to second base. I'm going to try and bring it home here. Give you an idea of what's going on with the Houston Astros real quick before we wind up diving a little bit more into deeper detail about it with the Astros. They look good despite all the injuries they've been having lately. Obviously, you've got Altuve. He should be back very, very soon. Carlos Correa. You've got a lot of guys that have been injured over the past like week or so, but you're seeing guys like a, a Garrett Stubbs. You're seeing a lot of these no, these young names that everybody talks about in terms of the Astros' future and what this minor league farm system looks like. And the far, the farm system for the Astros has been fantastic for years. I think there's a big reason why Jeff Lunau definitely has built up this team, not just for success in the short term, but success in the long term. I'll definitely talk with our guy Eric Heisman about it in a little bit. We're going to try and keep it locked in on that segment. And, of course, I think that's a big reason why. They had their seven-game road trip started last night, and they got the win. 3-2 to two, had to rally from behind. But I have to say, you got to give a, a lot of credit to the bullpen. Hector Rondon, Ryan Presley, and Roberto Osuna looked really good. Each threw an inning apiece and didn't allow a run. I think they only allowed one hit between the three of them, and that was, um, uh, I believe, Osunia, who allowed one in the eighth. 
Oh no, no, excuse me. That was I think it was Rondon that got the, a lot of the one hit. Well, soon he got the 16th save of the season last night and snaps Oakland's win streak at 10 games. So I think that's a huge step in the right direction for the Houston Astros after losing the series finale on Wednesday night to the Chicago Cubs. And again, it's the beginning of a seven-game road trip all on the West Coast, by the way. you know. So let me put it this way. If you're a fan of Astros baseball, make sure you brew a pot of coffee because I think you're going to be up all night watching a lot of baseball Sometimes that's a very, very good thing, especially with this weekend. You've got a lot to kind of look forward to, regardless if you're a fan of Major League Baseball, college baseball, what have you. And trust me, it's going to be a really good show coming up for you today. Or I should say in the second hour. Of course, I think we've got to start things off when we're looking around Major League Baseball. we got to say, my goodness, the, the New York Yankees are looking legit now. They're actually looking really, really good, getting the win over the Boston Red Sox 4-1. to And former LSU Tiger, he even got some things done with a solo shot. 1-1, line to deep right center field. On the run is Bradley, and that ball is gone. Why, what a right center field hitter. J.D. LeMayhew. David John. J.D., David John, it's D.J. LeMayhew, man. <laughs> that was the, I, I did not hear that beforehand. That is amazing. My goodness. D, J.D. LeMayhew. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could just go to break on that, but, you know, not necessarily I can right now. Just, that was just amazing, to say the very least. And I, I'm just Enjoying that, and I think another notable matchup last night was the Seattle Mariners. They got some things done last night against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I, I guess is where they are this year. It could be Los Angeles Angels. They change those every year. It feels like, but of course, they got it done. Four to three win. And I think one of the big highlights was Jay Bruce with his 300th solo home run. Gags fastball swung on, set to center field. Trap given ground, going back on the track in front of four one. It's gone. It's gone. Jay Bruce with career blast number three hundred. Definitely really cool to see somebody hit the three hundred mark because it feels like nowadays it's not as big of a deal as it was back then. Like he's a young guy, he's he's going to wind up probably hitting. I would think he would hit the four hundred or five hundred mark and just peak from just kind of. Hole right there. Of course, he can wind up having a big run towards the end of his career, but I just think 500 is the magic number for him going forward. Definitely something you need to keep. And uh, I guess I enjoyed seeing that last night, even though it is an AL West foe. I'm just not as much of like a hater of them as I am the Texas Rangers, who can just go away. And the Angels. I mean, Jonathan Lucaro is on the team, so I can't hate him that much, right? And that being said, I think one of the teams I don't like is the St. Louis Cardinals. But i got to give credit where credit is due with them getting a 2-1 win over the Cubbies to open up their series against them after the Astros got things done in interleague action. And Matt Carpenter, he's sitting home. The bases are loaded, one out. Bottom of the 10th, the pitch. Carpenter swings, and it's a high fly ball. Left field. That ball is going to get down for a Redbird winner. What a gr- what a great way to end it! A Redbird winner. That's just fantastic. Way better than J.D. LeMahieu. My goodness, like, and that's the guy. Like, this is the thing. Like, I'll say this: it's just frustrating to me to kind of hear somebody butcher the name 
especially when it's the guy who's doing the play-by-play for the team, and he has a name right in front of him. It's like, oh, hey, you know, I've got a bunch of names in front of me for my show notes. I'm breaking the fourth wall here. That's kind of what we do here. I'm kind of the Deadpool of sports talk. Mind you, I don't curse nearly as much. Mind you, I probably wouldn't be on the air if I did that, unless I was on SiriusXM. But I have to say, you know, like you're there the home guy. You have the you have the flip chart in front of you, and you see this guy's name damn near every day in the lineup. How do you screw up J.D. LeMayhew? Tell me why, because I'm just genuinely interested at this point in time. But, of course, that's some of the notable things that happened last night. I'd say the Yankees look good against the Red Sox. I was surprised to see I was surprised to see where the Red Sox are right now. It seems like the World Series hangover. It's an actual thing if you're not named the Houston Astros. Because the Astros, like, you can say there was a hangover because they didn't make it. But guess what? They looked pretty damn good, and they definitely didn't look like they had a hangover at all from the from the World Series. I mean, even the Dodgers, the Doyers kind of look a little bit more stoic as opposed to what maybe they were last season when they won the World Series. Again, it's definitely definitely a fun story to say the least. Dodgers currently 39-19, so they're looking a little bit better than maybe I thought they did. Mind you, I just haven't paid nearly as much attention to the West Coast because, well, I'm here in the South Louisiana, it's kind of hard to be up all night watching all these late-night ball games with the Doiters. But I'm looking forward to talking with Eric Heisman of Locked On Astros about what's going on with this team and what steps are taken to get in the right direction. And, of course, I said I was going to open up the hour very, very differently. I'm going to open up a little different way to kind of get things going in hour number two because I like to talk about what's on tap this weekend. And I definitely want to attack a lot of the big things in the world of sports, especially because I know kind of the listenership. I know what they like. I know what they dislike. And I feel like most people in this Acadiana area, and I'm definitely going to say a lot of people who do listen to Acadiana's sports station, 103.7 game, aren't necessarily as big of fans of what I'm about to talk about in just about two seconds. And no, it's not pro wrestling. Don't worry. That takes coming later on, or better yet, I should say, one day down the line. I'll, I'll talk pro wrestling and getting down the line. It's just not right now. Because I've got a lot more thoughts on that. But, of course, what I'm talking about is soccer. I'm talking soccer, people. So i got to say, looking forward to today, not only because of the fact you've got college baseball all the way around, but around 2 o'clock today, you've got the Champions League Finals that you get the European Cup up for grabs in the UEFA Champions League Finals. Tottenham, Liverpool, that one's going to be fun. The hot spurs up against those Reds. You'll never walk alone. I am just oh, I'm looking forward to this one so much. Hopefully, if you're a soccer fan, you're looking forward to it as well. Liverpool looking for their first cup in 14 years while the hot spurs are in their first ever final. Somebody who definitely is more of a casual fan of soccer, I am interested in this one because these two teams, they're not necessarily like like one of them is a big legacy team, especially when you look at EPL, the Premier League, and all that, and you're obviously going to see them in conversations for the Champions League finals consistently. They've been in it a lot. They were in it last year, came up just short. But the Hotspurs kind of becoming the true underdog story, if you will, in terms of being able to make it in. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen there in the Tottenham, Hotspurs, and Liverpool game, determine who's going to be the winner of the Champions League finals, and this is going to be in Madrid. So it's going to be all European, all 
all England final, I should say, all England final, because, of course, UEFA is all in Europe, so it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on going forward to see what's going to what's going to happen with the first cup in 14 years. Could Liverpool be hosting it, hoisting it? I'd hope so, because this would be really cool. Like I said, just looking forward to that. That's something just outside the box, and I'm honestly, honestly, like I said, I enjoy some soccer, and mind you, it's definitely a lot more whenever it's Premier League time. Man U wasn't that good this year, so hopefully... They can bounce back and want to make a bit of an impact here in the Champions League finals. That's just so cool to kind of see them in there. In there, they haven't won that in a while, but definitely something you need to keep an eye on this weekend. If you're waiting for the LSU game, if you're just in general not necessarily like looking forward to watching any of the other ball games that will be occurring later on today, I'd say. The Champions League Finals today. You got Stanley Cup Game 3 later today. Trust me, this is a great weekend to be a sports fan. I say the next few weekends are going to be great to be a sports fan because, of course, you've also got the Women's College World Series right now. Yet Oklahoma, Oklahoma State go at it. Bedlam, and that was a really fun ball game. Oklahoma wound up kind of just starting to whip up on them. And I, I said it before, I'll say it again. Oklahoma, this is a conspiracy theory and a half here, but I feel like Oklahoma softball and Oklahoma gymnastics, they're robots. I just feel like they're robots at this point because they just perform at a very high clip and it's very, very consistent. You look at Oklahoma gymnastics, they win almost every damn year. When you look at Oklahoma softball, over the last like three years, they've won every single time. So I think they're starting to understand how to make robots over in Oklahoma. Boomer sooner, yes, indeed. Yeah, you even see, look at Oklahoma football. They've made it to the college football playoff the last couple of years. If only they could figure out in baseball and basketball, then we could wind up confirming it. This conspiracy theory that Oklahoma's definitely got cybernetics going on. And we're seeing a very high clip of performance with these teams. Just honestly, just conspiracy theory. Hopefully you disagree with it because I don't think it's necessarily the best theory in the world. Poll question up on Twitter right now is who is the best hitter in LSU history? You can tweet at us at 1037 the game and also check out the poll question. Check out other poll questions that we've had. So kind of get an idea of what we do here, right here at 103.7 The Game. And I have to say, Todd Walker leading the way 47%. And I have to agree with everybody because I think Todd Walker has a lot of credentials. Because when I was pulling up the stats last night, because I didn't know a whole lot about Todd Walker and the history of him. Because, again, I was more, I was raised more as a Cajuns fan as opposed to an LSU fan. When LSU did really well, whenever they were in the College World Series and making, making runs, I can remember watching them. Whenever they were in the national championship game, I can remember watching them. We weren't a big LSU house, but whenever LSU was succeeding, because we wanted the boot to do well growing up. So I I just don't know a whole lot about Todd Walker, so when I pulled up the credentials, dude's got some credentials. He's he's probably one of the most consistent hitters in LSU history. It's, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily get talked about as much as opposed to guys like Duplantis and Eddie Furness because of one thing and one thing only, that hit record. So I definitely can get about, get behind what everybody is talking about in the poll question. Once again, on Twitter, at 103.7thegame. We'll take a quick commercial break. Coming up next, we're getting our targets locked in on the Houston Astros with Eric Heisman of the Locked On Astros podcast. So keep your radios right where they are as we continue to go deeper and deeper under the dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7thegame and 103.7thegame. Every time C.D. takes the mic is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now let's get back to Under the Dome with C.D. on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. 
Pay no attention to that rejoin. It is Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 Game, 1037Game.com. I'm usually the one who screws that up, but the but the computer wound up spitting out the wrong thing. We're going to try and fix that going forward. But right now, let's go out to the Arco Equipment Hotline to talk with Eric Heisman of the Locked on Astros podcast. Also writes for the Crawfish Boxes. What's going on, man? And uh, nothing much. I uh, just about to hit a water park for a day of uh, summer break, and uh, excited about it. I can about imagine there's a lot of hype around it, and my goodness, a lot of hype around the Houston Astros, despite a lot of injuries. What can you say about this team and a lot of the youth movement that we're seeing with this team, considering all the injuries they've had, especially with Altuve, Correa, and his very bizarre injury? Uh, yeah, especially with um, whenever an injury happens off the field. Uh, it leads to a lot of speculation, and especially when you don't immediately tell what happens. And that's what happened with uh, Carlos Gray. You saw Jeff Luno. You saw A.J. Hintz. Both defer. If you want to know what happened, you have to talk to Carlos. And then uh, Gray did have that um, uh, that statement that said that he injured it during a massage. And so last year um, we had the whole when Carlos Gray's back was hurting, they had the um, whole speculation that it was because of Daniela and whatever they like to do in their private time. And so that kind of went on all summer. And now this continues with uh, now he has broken rib. And so people are like, well, what are they doing? And so, but then uh, fans took it a little bit too far when he started suggesting a domestic abuse then. So we saw the video with um, Carlos Correa and he actually went as far as to show his body, show that he was he didn't have any bruise marks and it wasn't any type of domestic abuse or anything. But uh, that's just the type of world we live in where uh, social media just takes precedence over everything. And uh, so anyway, but uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen a rash of injuries like this in a long time. We, we saw it early in the year with the Yankees. And they continue to win, and so hopefully the Astros will do the same. But when you're missing Altuve, Correa, and Springer from your lineup, it's be hard to get a lot of wins. But we do have Brantley, and I'm so glad we uh, the Astros signed Brantley this offseason because where would this lineup be without them? I'd have to agree with you talking right now with Eric Heisman locked on Astros podcast because I think Michael Brantley has definitely been one of the best free agent signings in recent memory. The dude's just been so consistent. I think, of course, you can also say the same thing about Josh Reddick, who wound up getting booed pretty much out of Oakland A Stadium last night after a home run off of Mike Fires. Feels like I was expected to see a home run get hit off of Mike Fires, but definitely drew the ire of the, the club that he used to play for. Right. And, uh, yeah, you see a lot, like with the Red Sox, you still have a lot of fans out there who actually respected what um, – what Josh Reddick did. But, um, yeah, this team is relying on a lot of young players. Um, we've seen Derek Fisher, he had a big homer yesterday. And uh, then we're, we're seeing uh, some young talent like Jack Minfield and Miles Straw. Miles Straw is, uh, I don't know if you watch him with him, but he's super fast. He just kind of blared around and enjoy trying to get away from that easy noise. Anyway, but, um, so it, it, we're relying on a, a lot of talent, young talent right now, and how they do is going to determine the season. But also, they have such a big lead right now, and they beat the team that was right behind them. So uh, they have time to get healthy, and that's why they're not rushing back. Who's they out to? They 
That's why they're going to give Carlos Correa, and they're not super ticked off that he got hurt off the field. And uh, so, and they're going to give George Springer all the time he wants, even though he had a chance to possibly win MVP this year. But injuries happen, and uh, you have to move on and not make too many excuses. And I think that's what the Astros are really good at is not letting things get them down and just mar- marching forward. Talk right now with Eric Heisman, Locked on Astros podcast. And you're talking about a lot of the injuries, you're talking about Jose Altuve, they're kind of holding him back. When do we? When do you expect him to come back? Will it be for the upcoming series against the Mariners, or will they wait till they head back home to Minute Maid Park? I honestly don't know right now. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on, because uh, when you're talking about knee fatigue and a knee that you had surgery on, it's hard to uh, say, okay, well, let's rush you back. So... Uh, I think the hamstring is fine at this point. I really think it's just a knee, and that's possibly why uh, he injured his hamstring, possibly because he was trying to compensate for the knee, and that's probably why he stopped hitting towards the end. But we'll have to see. And, uh, but, yeah, I would say the next homestand would be a good date, and that's also a time where we could see Jordan Alvarez come up. Uh, my uh, Talking Strohs co-host uh, suggested June 7th, which is um, also Star Wars night, so it'll be great time to bring your last Jedi in to uh, start, uh, jump-starting his offense. And I know we got the win yesterday, but those 3-2 games are a lot less, um, I mean, the, the blowouts are a lot less stressful than those 3-2 games. And you're talking about uh, this this guy, Jordan Alvarez, the guy that everybody's been talking about, what can he want to bring into the table that maybe some of these uh, – is he probably the best prospect down there in the farm system for the Astros? Uh, he's the best hitting prospect. I think overall uh, Kyle Tucker is the best uh, prospect down there. I think that um, this may sound – unless there's a major injury, another major injury, uh, I don't think we see him in 2019. I, I think with the Astros – knowing that they're going to have uh, Reddick, Springer, and Brantley all potentially leave after the 2020 season. They're trying to save all the uh, the team control over Kyle Tucker that they can. And that's why you may not see him come up. But uh, Alvarez, this guy is legit. Uh, this is a guy that Astros played Josh, uh, for Josh Field, and he can hit. He's a left-hander, and he's not – could be the best defender out there, but he's not going to embarrass you. But this is a young David Ortiz, a big poppy, whatever you want to call him. But uh, he's going to have that type of career if he can hit the big league pitching. And, and as we've seen, the the ball has uh, they put the major league ball in Triple A. So if he's able to have this success in Triple A, he's going to, it's going to translate into the major leagues. And it's just a matter of time. And they're trying to do the whole arbitration. Um, uh, having paid him fifteen million dollars extra over his career, and so that's what the whole super team uh, cutoff is all about. Eric, I appreciate you coming on, my man. Enjoy the water park. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay, all right. Thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome, my man. Eric Heisman, everybody. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric Talk Strohs. Eric Talks Strohs. Excuse me. There's an extra S in there, so hopefully you check him out. Hey, check out his podcast, Locked on Astros Podcast. If you want the latest and greatest, of course, great guy. Enjoy talking to him. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back. We're going to talk beer at SEC Stadiums next. 
with our guy Ross Dellinger of SportsIllustrated.com. We'll be back more after this. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com live from the 237 Roof Studios in Lafayette. And my goodness, it's a great Saturday morning. I think it's going to be an even greater Saturday once the end of the month comes up, especially here in Louisiana, because, well, it looks like beer is officially going to be allowed to be sold in stadiums without restrictions after what happened in Destin at the SEC Spring Meetings. And to talk about the SEC Spring Meetings, we're going to go over to the Arco Equipment Hotline right now, talk with the guy who's there. And that was one Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. What's going on, Ross? Hey, man, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. I think a lot of Acadiana's doing fantastic. Because, one, you're on our airwaves once again. And also, you once again, LSU fans can have beer without restrictions at least from what we're looking at right now, it looks like a plan is going to be in place for the 2019 season, at least from like 65 miles away. I'm sure it might be a little bit different from what you've heard during your time in Destin after after Friday's vote. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, LSU has been the one pushing this really for years now. You know, it's kind of started um, with, with former LSU associates AD Eddie Nunez and he and Joe Oliva were kind of the ones that comboed on this, pushing this for several years. And um, coincidentally, those two guys are no longer at LSU. Um, is it, uh, it was kind of coincidence, I guess, that that happens that, that they passed this a year. You know, both of them are no longer there. Um, but but they have been pushing this for a while, you know. And, and so I expect LSU obviously to do it, um, probably bigger and better than. Uh, any other school, you know, a lot of the schools are kind of tentative right now. Even I think three or four of them have already basically announced they're not going to do it in 2019, sell beer stadium-wide. Uh, there's about seven to eight schools reviewing or considering it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think you're going to see about half the league probably do it, you know, if I had to guess. You know, somewhere around six or seven or eight, eight teams probably go ahead and decide to do it in some capacity. But I obviously expect LSU to be one of those. And not only that, but I expect LSU um, to do it, uh, like I said, bigger and better probably than uh, than any other schools do. And I think everybody would agree with you right there, Ross, because that's probably going to be the biggest thing you're going to be talking about over the next few months is who's going to be pulling out of this situation, who's going to wind up doing it for 2019, or is it going to be more of a 2020 thing? You brought up the fact some of the schools have already announced they're not going to be taking part of it, at least when it comes to 2019. And one of those, I think, was Auburn. I was surprised about that with one of those programs doing that, and they didn't think it was going to wind up being resolved. Do you think that was more because they didn't think it would be resolved after it was kind of tabled back in Nashville, or was this just kind of like you just didn't have a plan in place, period, when it comes to Auburn? Well, you know, yeah, Auburn did did a baseball kind of beer garden this year, and it it kind of uh, last year, I think. Yeah, last year I think it started. And I, I think... Uh, a lot of schools around the nation 
ease into the stadium-wide sales um, in by doing beer gardens and things like that. And, and I think you saw, you know, Auburn, one of those. I, I don't really know how that beer garden went at Auburn, but um, – Seeing that they're not going to expand it and do the stadium-wide sales, that's at least what Auburn president told 24-7 Sports. That tells me that maybe, I don't know, maybe things didn't go um, as smoothly as they thought with the beer garden. I'm not sure about that. But I was surprised to see Auburn be one of them as well that that doesn't plan on doing it. Um, You know, Alabama's another. um, You know, Georgia put out a statement that they're – considering it, um, but I, I, I most believe they won't do it. They released a statement earlier this week, a separate statement that uh, announced a new premium area for uh, for people who uh, pay $25,000 can go in this premium area and drink. Um, so, again, that's, that's a good another example of, of teams kind of easing into this by, by doing things like that. It's kind of an elitist approach, of course, what Georgia's doing. And then it's Mississippi State. You know, they have a state law to deal with, um, as well as Ole Miss, but uh, Ole Miss kind of skirts around the state law with resort status. Mississippi State does not have resort status in their stadium. And Mark Keenan told me, um, you know, I don't know if they're playing to get it quickly. Um, uh, he doesn't seem to be for it. Uh, he gave me the quote yesterday of, um, you know, if other schools want to do it, that's their call kind of thing. And so, uh, so yeah, there's, those four seem to be the four, at least right now, that most don't expect to do it, or or who I've already really officially announced they don't expect to do it. And the big the big thing here, I wrote a little bit about it at SI.com yesterday, is that the, the presidents who don't decide to do it, um, uh, how much heat will they take from fans? You know, they're going to be depriving fans of uh, you know of of, of a supply uh, that other neighboring SEC schools give their fans and. It'll be interesting to, to, to see how what the reaction is to the schools who don't do this because the schools who don't do this are still serving alcohol to basically, uh, for that lack of a better word, to the rich guys in the in the suites in the clubs. So um, there, I wonder what the backlash or pushback is going to be on on presidents uh, in universities like Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State who don't do this. Talk right now with Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. You, you were talking about, I want to kind of double back to something you brought up just a moment ago, and that was Georgia's, I'm going to just say, interesting tactic you brought up that's kind of elitist sounding, is the fact that you're going to have to donate $25,000 or more to the UGA Athletic Association to purchase beer, and then you're in a spot where you can't necessarily watch the game. Is that the weirdest caveat you've ever heard? Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because, you know, yeah, it's not. It's not like it's in a club or a suite where you can see the game. It, it sounds like you know, and and to pay that much, I, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and uh, but I guess for them, it's kind of like a trial balloon on the alcohol deal, you know, um, just to see how it works. But uh, it's an elitist approach, you know, and it's the approach the SEC's had for years. They've it had this stadium wide ban where you can only sell it in uh, suites and only sell it. In uh, club levels, and it, it, it's not fair to the Joe Joe Smith fan out there who's seated, you know, on on row forty and seat four or something. It's it just uh, you know he can't get a drink when people on the the fifty yard line and behind glass can. Um, you know, Joe Smith is the fan that makes uh, SEC football what it is. You know, yells and screams, waves the the pom-pom, you know, rings the cowbell, whatever you want to say. Uh, 
So it, it's just um, I don't think it's a it's a smart thing, and and you know I think there's a reason half of the division, half of the FBS schools have have gone to stadium wide alcohol sales because one brings in revenue, two you 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 actually decrease some alcohol related incidents because you're not binge drinking or sneaking in a lot of booze and. Yep. And three, because you, you take out that elitist approach and, and you get fans in the into the stands. Uh, it just you get, I think it, it betters uh, the attendance. Look, it, there's no coincidence that the SEC did this after a season in which the, they hit a 16-year low in attendance. And you're talking about the, the 16-year low in attendance, and this could kind of boost things up, but how much could this potentially boost things when you consider the fact that nowadays it's a lot easier just to kind of watch the game wherever you're going to wind up being at. You can watch it tailgating on TV, on your phone even. I feel like that's another reason why we're seeing attendance dip down a little bit more. Do you think it winds up having to be, you're having to have a lot more of a higher level experience at college football games to see that attendance increase increase more than like what we could wind up seeing with this beer law being passed? But you know, it's it's hard to kind of quantify um, uh, the impact on attendance with stadium wide alcohol sales. I mean, you can you can quantify the revenue. You can see that. You can, uh, you can see the the incident rates go down at schools that have done it. But it's hard to, and you can see that maybe the the uh, attendance rise or even fall. But it, you know, attendance uh, there's so many different factors that go into attendance. You know, home schedule, weather. So it's hard to kind of quantify that. But I would tell you, most schools I've talked to, most administrators I've talked to who have made this move to stadium-wide sales have made it for attendance. They, 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 don't, they don't beat around the bush. They said the main reason is attendance. Um, and that was a big talking point at SEC meetings with, with Greg Sankey. Basically, he, he made sure to tell us all that this is no you know, magic uh, you know, bullet or whatever to, like, to, to fix the attendance issue in, in decline. Uh, and it's not. There are so many factors that go into attendance at games. I kind of went and did a, a deep dive about a year and a half ago or so on, on attendance in college football, specifically the SEC and why, you know, why it is the way it is. And, and there's just a lot of factors. You know, one, it was sure, one is the alcohol and not being able to drink in the stands. Um, you know, prices of tickets. Uh, and then the, the, just the comfort of, your home with HDTV and in your own bathroom and your own food and and it, you know it's it, it, there's just a lot of you know, parking traffic. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I think this is one thing that um, you got to start checking off these things, you know, and fixing fixing all these problem problems or, or all these factors. And I think alcohol is just one. Talk right now with Ross Dellinger of SI.com. And, of course, a couple more questions here. Will Wade's time with the media on Tuesday was the talk of the town. What did you take away from it? Because I felt like to me it was definitely kind of him kind of finally breaking his silence, him talking about wanting to rebuild trust. What did you take away from it? I took away that he realizes that he made some mistakes. Um, he uh, not talking to LSU first off, um, you know, and then and going through that 40-day suspension. Um, you know, releasing a statement during the suspension condemning LSU's actions, his own employer. Um, he did some things, honestly, to tick off a lot of people at LSU. There's no doubt. And uh, they were ticked off for a while. And I don't know how long those wounds, uh, how long it takes those wounds to heal. <laughs> he he, uh, he kind of angered a lot of people. He's brash, he's arrogant a little bit, you know, and he admitted, he admitted that. Uh, so I, I, I took away 
uh, from that news conference, a guy who's a little more humbled, um, at least publicly. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to uh, kind of decipher what's really real and what's fake at a podium up in front of the media. But uh, he at least he at least um, you know admitted that he was. Uh, that he rubbed people the wrong way at times and too brash, too arrogant, maybe a little bit. Um, he made some mistakes. Um, and then, of course, he didn't answer all the questions fully, you know, uh, and I don't know if he ever will. Um, and that's just, in any, you know, LSU, uh, he obviously convinced LSU and the NCAA enough in their meetings uh, to, to reinstate him, but he certainly hasn't con- convinced a whole lot of media uh, that he did not do all the things that are in all the reports because, uh, you know, he won't answer a lot of the questions fully. All right, Ross, we got to have fun with you before we let you go. Of course, I think everybody's seen at this point the picture Michael Caldwell put up on Twitter of you on the Fe- Paul Feinbaum show earlier this week, and you wearing those shades. What was going on there? What was the what was the thought process whenever you just showed up there with these like very much two dollar shades? What was going on there? <laughs> They weren't even two dollars. They were free, man. They were free. So I, I have a I have a, a long-standing uh, stance on sunglasses. Uh, I do not pay more than about fifteen bucks for a pair of sunglasses because they either end up at the bottom of the ocean or at the bottom of my foot broken. I mean, I so I don't I don't do the expensive sunglass thing really. And uh, that set on the fine mom show on the beach not only is it hot and in the sun. But it's hard to describe these lights they have on that set. There are four of them, and they are they are the, each light is about you know it's the size of like a boulder, and uh, there's four of them. It's like the big stadium lights up at the football stadium that are way away from you. These are like eight feet in front of you, and they are so bright, man. So I, I kept my shades on. So did a lot of other people actually that were on the show. They ended up I saw uh, Auburn's AD Alan Green was on there with his shades on. It is so bright out there, it's crazy. But yeah, my. Uh, my sunglasses kind of stole the show on Wednesday. Uh, that just tells you how slow uh, SEC meetings was, I guess. <laughs> Ross, I can't thank you enough for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, see you. All right, that was Ross Dellinger. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ross Dellinger. It's just that simple. The man just covers SEC football. Like You can take him out of the Advocate. You can take him out of Baton Rouge, take him out of Louisiana, but you can't take him away from the SEC ever, and it's great. We got one more segment, and of course, I talk about how we started off hour two different. We're starting, we're wrapping up the show in a very different fashion. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. We are Acadiana Sports Station, and we're definitely going to get into the game in a few minutes before we wrap things up right here on 1037 The Game. From the preps, I gave it a, uh, a 10. A to the pros. And everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game. EA Sports. It's in the game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. And I was right. that it, it, We are going to end this show a little bit differently. We're going to do things uh, that are a lot more fun. And it is kind of something I want to try and do going forward. And that is one last take 
before I get out of here. Because trust me, we got a lot of great programming coming up later today. Of course, LSU baseball, 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock first pitch against Southern Miss. Likely their ace, Walker Powell, going to be out there. And that dude's pretty darn good. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Of course, that's right here on 103.7 The Game. Late tonight, you can go over to the Rewind, 97.7 FM, 1330 AM and 104.1 FM out in Lake Charles to hear the Astros take on the Oakland A's, try and keep things going, get that winning streak up to two, even though it's not really a winning streak. That's three straight games. That is called a winning streak. It has happened before. Don't believe me? Check out what they've done as of late. But, of course, this is my one final take of the show, and I'm going to a very, very different place, to say the very least. I mean, I'm definitely a different guy, so, hey, why not kind of keep it going? And the place where I'm going to, it is the world of video games, and I think everybody can kind of know where I'm going with this. Bring back NCAA college football, EA Sports. You heard it at the beginning of that segment, and I'll play it for you one more time. EA Sports. It's in the game. Please just bring it back. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because a couple weeks ago, this is just what happens sometimes, I just can't necessarily get to all of it, is that the NCAA has been thinking about the name and likeness stuff and trying to give these athletes the right to make a profit off of it. It's a smart idea. That means, potentially, potentially this thing could wind up possibly opening up the floodgates to EA Sports or whomever is going to wind up taking control of this to have NCAA college football back in our lives for the first time in a long time. And I think everybody who is listening to me, be it online, on the radio, wherever you're listening to us, even on the mobile app, powered by Visit Avery Island, you can listen to us a lot of different ways. And I think that this is, without a doubt, the smartest thing that the NCAA could do. And this is something that kind of also brought it up to me yesterday was the fact we have Madden NFL 2020. They recently showed off some stuff with their trailer showing that they're going to wind up having a good part of that dedicated towards the NFL and and college football with their story mode. And a lot of that has to do with Pat Mahomes. And you have Brandon Gauden, one of the voices of Madden NFL 2020. He's been part of the voice for quite some time. I believe at least the at least like the last few that I've played. I'm pretty much stepping away from that because it's not a, not as much of a big fan of it as it was back in the day. But they put this out on Twitter was a list of some of the teams that are involved in it, and of course, it's all about who's winning the national championship. And obviously, one of those is LSU, saying that the first time since 2007, the LSU Tigers are the national champions. And he has a, a lot of different like ways to start the whole thing off. Because you're going to wind up starting them off kind of similar way where it's so, and then you put in the rest of those sound bites in there depending on what happens. It's, I mean, that's basically just how the whole algorithm works. It's part of their story mode, not necessarily part of a main game. And I'm just pleased. This is just like one step closer towards us getting that magical moment when EA, 2K, Nintendo, I don't know, anybody can put out a college football game that's going to be the moment that I'm just over the moon, and I will gladly buy whoever's console it's going to be on because college football needs to be back in our lives. And I know there's a big community with some of the more recent, with the last college football game to come out. A lot of people who have way more time on their hands than I do actually mod the 2014 NCAA game. Even Tech Mobile, people modify those games to have current rosters for college pro. It's amazing to see the amount of dedication 
these people have towards one preserving the games and making them as updated as humanly possible. I'm almost certain people are already putting together stuff for the LLC Tigers in this 2019 edition, getting the full rosters, having all that in place. There's a lot of work that goes into that, and it is nothing short of impressive to see what's going on with that. And I'm sure I probably bored the hell out of you when I'm talking about what's going on with the world of video games. College football need to be back in our lives in that way because sometimes just a little bit more of that could go a long way towards building a bigger fan base. And I think that it's already got a big fan base. I'm just going to go with my one final take being bring back NCAA college football. I don't care who does it, be it EA Sports. I say bring back 989 Sports, 2K Sports. I don't care. Well, honestly, I'll say this. 2K, you can stay away from it for a while. Just stay away from it for a while and focus on not having microtransactions in every single aspect of your games. And then we'll talk about you doing it. Outside of that, anybody can do it. Anybody can take over. Hell, bring back Sega Sports. I would love that. But we're out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. This has been Under the Dome with CD. Oh, hey, that's me. Right here on the Canadian Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And don't forget, we're always in the game. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.